I'm Family Life News anchor Sarah Harnish, and with me is Christina Fadden, who is the president of the Syracuse Right to Life Association. Hey there, Christina. Hey, thank you for having me on today. You guys have a march coming up, a March for Life on Saturday in Syracuse, and the Syracuse Right to Life is the longest-running local pro-life march in all of New York State, which I found fascinating. The pro-life movement in the Empire State continues to grow. Can you tell me what you're seeing out in the field? Yes, it's actually really exciting. Um, Of course, we were just overjoyed when the uh, Roe versus Wade wrongly decided decision from 1973 was overturned. And actually, the Syracuse March for Life started right after the first year after Roe v. Wade was uh, decided. We've been marching every year ever since. And what we've seen, though, especially since Dobbs was over, Overturned. We had been growing and growing in our efforts to reach out to those in need, to the vulnerable, to women in need through a variety of uh, ways, ministries, prayerful, counseling, support, all kinds of manners of ways. And what I see in this area and across upstate New York really is such a great collaboration among all the different aspects of the pro-life movement. So Syracuse Right to Life, we major a little bit more. Our bread and butter is on the legislative and advocacy and making sure that our our voices are heard politically. But we are very much in close contact with other organizations that are witnessing out in front of places where abortions are performed, with pregnancy resource centers. So it's, it's exciting to see the collaboration and how lives are being saved. We just came off the last election cycle with votes for abortion in Kentucky and Virginia. Do you think that what we're seeing in New York with the greater numbers, the collaboration, do you think that represents the country as a whole? Do you think that there's more acceptance of the pro-life movement two years after Roe v. Wade was overturned? I think that the word is slowly getting out that the real, that really, First of all, a lot of, I'll say on the other side of the issue, a lot of hysteria was whipped up when the Dobbs decision came out. And our people are stronger in grassroots. There's many more pro-lifers and silent supporters out there. We say, like to say, we have the votes and the other side often has the money. So with the money, they drove out a message that was really a lot of fear mongering. But we're slowly seeing as people come to understand what the real terms are, especially in a state like New York, where it's very extreme, that more and more people are quietly on our side. I like to say we call on all people of goodwill in your conscience to do what we can now to save those who we can now. And most people are opposed to late-term abortion. They find it very troubling after a child is viable or after a child can feel pain, which is after 15 to 20 weeks, that abortions are still happening. So, you know, we're hoping that as that education gets out, the tide will start to turn in our direction. So those prior votes, even in Ohio last year, we think a lot of it was based on false premises and false advertising that didn't really neutrally explain what the issues were to the voters. There was a lot of fear-driven voting and, you know, we just need to keep educating people. What are you trying to change as far as the laws go in New York State? Well, the biggest thing we're facing in New York right now, there's constant battles in New York. That's probably not a surprise to your listeners on this issue. Sadly, I've seen it for 20, 30 years. But the biggest issue we're facing in 2024 
there is going to be a ballot proposal on the ballot in November for all voters in New York State to vote on a proposed constitutional amendment that would change the Equal Protection Clause in the New York State Constitution, and it would severely water it down and change it so that unborn children would now be completely unprotected enshrined in our Constitution. We already have a very, very extreme abortion law called the Reproductive Health Act and the so-called Reproductive Health Act. And that could still be, it won't happen in the near future, but it could be overturned. But once you enshrine abortion rights right into abortion, into the Constitution, so-called rights to abortion, then that could be used by judges to wipe out any existing protections. So it's really very dangerous. And we're going to be starting to educate people about that coming up on the November vote. Most people think that abortion is a religious fight, but more and more we're seeing that's not the case. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, we're thrilled. We've known of uh, feminists choosing life for quite some time. They've been out there advocating, but their message is resonating more and more as people learn and find out that the early feminists going back to you know, the great history in New York State in the mid-1800s of advocating for women's rights, they were all pro-life, the early feminists. And really only up until it was, the change really happened in conjunction with feminism around the late 60s, early 70s, that suddenly it became like a cardinal rule to be a feminist. You had to be pro-abortion. It was never that way before. And even the early founders of Syracuse Right to Life and New York State Right to Life, National Right to Life, they were always thinking in terms of human rights, that we needed to be broader than just it being, unfortunately, it shouldn't be this way. But our issues get pushed into a corner by the opposition saying, well, that's just your religious viewpoint. And that's not true. Religion has informed how well society should run, how a, you know, a fair, um, dignifying society should run. And so religion informs our views, but we are in the business of engaging with the culture, grassroots, based on what's common human principles of protecting life in this case. And we're also new right back to our founders that we have to we have to engage the culture in terms of civic engagement. And we can't allow them to just dismiss people of the pro-life view that, oh, it's just your religious viewpoint. I think there's many listening who say, I believe 100 percent in life. But does showing up to a rally make a difference? What do you believe when it comes to activism? Our audience is the public and our audience is also our elected officials. And those who make decisions are decision makers. That's why we march to the Onondaga County Courthouse and assemble there for our ceremony, because it's important that those who we elected, who those who govern us know that we're out there. Because again, this issue does get ignored, particularly from our point of view. It doesn't get equal time. And, you know, when we see the coverage of certain other issues that we don't have a stand on, they might... <laughs> There might be a story, you know, oh, 10 people, a dozen people showed up. But then, you know, when a story is out there saying 400 to 500 people or 500 to 700 people showed up at the March for Life today, it really does make an impact. It's noticed because I can see the clicks when it is posted on social media. Do you think that a culture that says abortion is a right can be changed? I think it's going to take a lot of work to change the mindset. I, we do like to say that we welcome the time when uh, all unborn children are welcomed in, uh, protected in life and welcomed in law. We think that's an important concept. 
But unfortunately, the, even the linkage of the two words, abortion rights, has been something that's become sort of ironed into the fabric of how abortion is talked about in society. And we don't agree with that. We don't talk in terms of abortion rights. We like to talk in terms of abortion, yes or no, or let's talk about um, limits or how we can better protect women who are seeking an abortion. But we think that it's going to take some time because certain concepts get sort of um, ironed into the fabric and then it takes longer to unwind those out of the culture. Another example is that, well, I wouldn't have an abortion, but I can't tell somebody else that. Well, there's another human being involved, and that's the unborn child. So I think people have sort of been enculturated that it's not polite, it's not nice, it's not fair to tell somebody else what to do with their life, their decision, but they're very uncomfortable about it. But we have to speak up, of course, with sensitivity and love and offering support and resources. And if we don't, we're allowing the unborn child to be expendable. And that's what we want to try to turn around. Why do you do what you do? For me, it's a cardinal issue that I have to be doing something about it. I do think it's a tragedy. All of my colleagues in Syracuse Right to Life and the other organizations in the area, all pro-lifers, think a lot of us feel that way. What do I need to be doing about it? I think everybody really should be doing something about it to try to change this really massive destruction of human life. But I keep going. That's by the grace of God. There's no other question about it. It's a tough battle to be in a lot of times, and it can be exhausting, especially in the state of New York. But we need to keep going because there are other people involved. We're carrying forward the faith for those of us who are inspired by our faith as God delivered it to us. Christina Fadden, president of the Syracuse Right to Life organization. You can go check out the details of what they're doing in Syracuse. Chris, thank you. Thank you very much. This is Family Life News.